Welcome to Empowered Mind Body Inspiration. The mind is the map to wholeness, wellness, health. The heart is the key to genius and inspiration. Join me and my guests as we explore how to release and rewire into who you truly are unique, whole, and empowered. Please like, share, and subscribe. Spiral up, spiral out. Welcome, everyone. Today we have Alan Bruton, the inventor of Cymatrax. Today we're going to discuss the history of the alteration of sound and Alan's role in maximizing human potential through sound. Alan has been a professional opera singer and audio engineer. He is a successful dot-com entrepreneur and has been fascinated with human consciousness and quantum physics. Alan was raised in an out-of-the-box household. His father was an inventor who used the technology of Nikola Tesla so successfully that the U.S. government shut him down three times. Welcome, Alan. Hi, Jane. It's so great to be back here with you again. I know. I love it. And last time you were telling me a little bit about the history of how sound has been altered. And I thought, wow, we have to share this. That's just so interesting. Well, you know, and actually the the furthest I went back and, and checked on it was going all the way back to ancient Greece and understanding that there were musicians back then that that's just what their job was, was nothing else but to play on a lyre. The first lyres that came about were uh, with three strings and then jumped up to five strings and then it went to seven, then it went to nine, then I think up to 13, but it was just sent way back and there was, all they did was sit there and tune those strings so that they actually would be a specific frequency. And they didn't call it that because they didn't have that information, but they knew how it actually felt inside of their body because that's what they focused on their entire life was how a specific frequency actually feels. I don't know, women can't do this, but men can, I mean, some, I don't know, I've had a couple of women do it, but if you go inside of your shower and you're, you're, you're standing there and you start to sing and you, you, I mean, start on one note and just go, ah, and just go up one octave, you will come to one pitch that vibrates tremendously with like an echo chamber inside of the shower. Well, those are specific frequencies that will attune and bounce off in an acoustic manner that um, are, uh, has actually led me to un- my search further into how specific frequencies will uh, move matter, which is we call uh, cymatics. And there's a lot of things that people can look at. If you go to YouTube, just C-Y-M-A, T-I-C-S, and pull that up. You will see then how specific uh, frequencies will move matter. And the basic that, that they do is sand. And the major or the, the way that most people will look at it was to on their own, if they wanted to perform the experiment, they could. They, by taking a an L, uh, uh, a stereo speaker and lay it on its back, and then put a metal plate on top of the speaker, and pour fine sand on it, and then turn on a frequency generator powered through an amplifier. And depending upon the amplification of the power that you're pushing through that. If you look at the horizon of that metal plate where the sand is, you can see the sand is bouncing up and down until you modulate to a specific uh, frequency. And then that sand will turn into a geometric pattern. Well, that's the point that we show that the, and we talk about to everybody that the 
energy of that specific sound wave, that, that frequency will travel efficiently from point A to point B uh, vertically, not horizontally across the plate, but up and down through the plate so that those frequencies will do the same thing within the, the entire central nervous system of the body. And as the body is made up of what, 88, 90, 92% water, uh, sound travels much more efficiently through water than it does through the air. So, I mean, we're, it, it, it's just uh, without doubt and logical that people can understand the more sound uh, or specific frequencies that they um, involve themselves with, they just will find uh, that uh, the efficiency and the optimization of everything the body is doing consciously and subconsciously will react to that. Yes. And I think we're, uh, well, right now we're a little unaware of just how profoundly we are affected by sound and frequency. And like you say, we're 80% water. So, and I imagined when you were singing that octave, you can feel that, you know, when it's in the shower, is it yep. magnified so that you can feel the reaction within your own body? Absolutely. And, it, and like I said, you get to one specific frequency and I don't even know which one it is. It might even be very variable, uh, you know, according to the size and the dimension of the shower. But um, there's always just one. There's one that most men and the, uh, the, the deepness, the, the low pitch of the, or the, let's just call it amplitude, the, of uh, the pitch itself, not the amplitude, I'm sorry, the frequency of that pitch will actually vibrate very efficiently and bounce off everything that's, that's around in that area. Yeah, so it could be very healing. Yeah, or it could be disruptive. Yeah, exactly. So what is the best frequency and how has it been altered through time? Well, um, going all the way back to uh, the great opera composer, Giuseppe Verdi, he's known as the father of modern opera and back whenever he was so famous everybody wanted to perform his pieces so he was actually invited to go all over europe to conduct um, his music and he had several uh, prerequisites that he would actually instill before he would actually agree to go conduct and uh, one of those was to tune to a 432 hertz. And he had that parameter because he knew um, as an intense of a composer as he was, he knew that that was the way to, uh, for a person to optimize their experience through his music. And so he would tell a, um, a contracting city or organization that that had to be done. and told them way in advance because you have to understand, you know, tuning a violin um, to a 432 hertz is, is easy enough. But when you're starting to talk you know, about a harpsichord or a piano or even a pipe organ, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to take days for like, a, depending on the size of a pipe organ. So anyway, uh, that was one thing that, that Verdi always did. And that was one of the requirements that he always had because uh, he wanted to be able to get up there immediately and start conducting. He would also bring in some of the original players on his staff from his orchestra so that others in, within the, the new orchestras would actually um, follow by rote and by example of how uh, the maestro wanted to have all that music performed. But yeah, uh, so that was like the standard uh, going around, even though there was not a, a standard organization, but that's the way that, that Verity did it. But until 1935, where scientists went to a, a little man over in Germany known as Adolf Hitler and told him that if they were disruptive and tuned to concert A, not at 432, but at 440, 
it would actually instill a type of hypnotic trance in the, the viewing audience, not really a trance so that they could be programmed, but let's just say it would take away from their cognition so that the messages that Adolf Hitler wanted to uh, give during his speeches would actually be accepted more without questioning what he was talking about. So um, he gave that information to Joseph Goebbels, his uh, propaganda uh, expert, and he made sure that every single city that they went into, uh, they all tuned to a 440 hertz. Well, after that, some of that got around, uh, that word and that information of what they were doing got over to England and Winston Churchill actually did the same thing with all of the music being played and performed there in England as well, so that they could program people for whenever, you know, the, to, to fight for their country at all costs, where, I mean, like Churchill going on the radio yelling, never give up, never give up, never give up. But all of that on the radio was already uh, preempted by uh, music being played uh, at 440 hertz. So that once they finished playing, then Churchill could go in and talk or all the rest of the people of, of the cabinet of, of the government of, of the UK as well. So after World War II, there were a lot of research studies and documentations done over in Nazi Germany. And they came up with so many brilliant things that, that even today, I don't believe have been recorded or shown um, to the general public. But one of them was that the scientists did actually have them tuned to 440 Hertz. Now, all the research of all the years that I have done, I have tried to verify where and which organization uh, went ahead and verified that everyone in the world should tune to 440 Hertz for their concert A. Well, that of course has been given the, the authority of the ISO, the International Standards Organization. And so I went and dug around through their documentation to find out, well, who told you guys that it should be at 440 Hertz? And the closest I got to their documentation was a quote that said, a funding organization suggested to the ISO to tune globally at 440 hertz. Now they didn't say who it was. I mean, I don't know whether it's the Rothschilds or, you know, or, or Pee Wee Herman that did that. I mean, it, but you know, it, it, it's, it, that's as far as the documentation. So we don't quite know who designated 440 hertz to be concert A, but we do know that the observation of cymatics, there is a huge difference just by looking at 440 hertz to 432 hertz. Right. Well, Verdi knew that 432 made people feel good and resonated on a higher level. He must yeah, and, yeah, and the same thing going all the way back, you know, like I said, to ancient Greece, the, the lyres that were used, whenever they were plucking that, those particular pitches were what actually felt the best within the body as well. So, there's huge amounts of documentation showing that specific frequencies feel differently within the body. But unless you actually look at it and understand what the science is, um, you know, you know what is actually going to tell you about it un unless it's somebody like you or me spreading the word. Right. And you mentioned too, even further back in churches. Mm that it was altered as well at one point? Oh, absolutely, yeah. There was the manipulation by the Roman Catholic Church um, trying to control uh, the people that were sitting in church goes all the way back to how um, the Vatican dictated that there were certain intervals like, well, which was actually called the tritone or back then it was called the devil's tone, uh, the diminished fifth and the augmented fourth, which sounds like a European siren on a car. It's the 
bum, 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 bum. And, and, and those um, actually are, are found, that interval is found to disrupt um, the, your thinking process in a, in a great way. So that is the reason why that European cars used it. So when people are driving, that would be an interval that would um, wake people up and they could uh, hear it more so than anything else. Well, back in the 15th and 16th centuries, uh, the, the Vatican actually forbid music composers um, to write in that kind of music. I mean, we're going all the way back, you know, to like Bach and, and Handel and such that uh, they forbade it so much because they wanted the people within the church pews to be focused on the, the message from the pulpit. And I'll call it a message, even though let's just say that they were directing them to give their money to the church at the time. Uh, how, how to install guilt. And, and one of those fun things is that uh, people always say the Jews invented guilt, but the Catholics perfected it. And so they got people to not only spend more of, uh, than tithing what their earnings were, but to do all other kinds of ways to be able to get people of the congregation to, uh, to be able to um, donate their time and money to build, help build the church. So did I answer that question? Yeah. So they actually changed or altered things in hymns? Is that what well, they Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's actually, if you go all the way back, you will find that there are no compositions that actually use um, that, that tritone, that, that, that devil's tone, the augmented fourth or the diminished fifth until later on. And it, it was such uh, a, a um, demand by the church that if a um, if a composer actually composed that music and performed it in a church, that there was a, a great possibility of that composer being put to death because they didn't want people waking up in church. They wanted them to be able to uh, follow along and, and be extremely obedient, even in their own personal thinking. So not a lot has changed. <laughs> where, where are we at now? Well, I mean, there were, people are, are actually waking up. Um, when I first developed my technology, the software, I went to um, our local, and I'm in Dallas, Texas, uh, the local television ABC affiliate here in Dallas is WFAA. And I went to one of the program producers there and, and told him about what I had developed. And he said, what you're doing is absolutely brilliant, but we can't use it at the station right now because we do just the opposite. We add a white noise track to the audio if it's not live so that it will actually cut down on a lot of the, um, the sharpness of the edge of the tonality to the listener, but it also will put a viewer in a kind of hypnotic trance so they won't reach for the remote control, so they won't change the station, so our Nielsen ratings go up so we can charge more to the sponsor. And six months after I met with the guy there at the station, I had the great opportunity to meet with and talk to a director from Nielsen. And when I told him that story, he just looked at me for about five seconds and he said, yeah, that's what all the networks do. In fact, we have technology to measure how much white noise they're putting in. Right, so yeah, how much do they put in? I, you know, it, 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 really, it really depends. I mean, you know, public television, who knows if they do it or not, but this is just what the, the man told me from Nielsen about the majors, the, the um, five majors uh, and, and what they're doing. And you can listen to it quite a bit yourself and you'll notice it that uh, uh, even, uh, I believe I was listening to Hulu the other day, uh, watching a movie and they do have um, 
commercials within a, a the programming and those commercials get much louder and they're so disruptive to be able to try to push the programming into you to buy whatever the product is. Um, but, you know, a lot of the, I'm not saying that all broadcast does that, but in all 99.99% of all digital audio does contain white noise and the Simatrax technology reduces the, the disruptive ability of that. And so we have been uh, showing great uh, uh, progress in using that. In fact, uh, I think I told you that the, uh, the way that the Simatrax technology is built is that we have targeted several specific frequencies in the playback of digital, well, from the production of digital audio. And we do have two uh, well-known um, neurosurgeons that believe in what we have created so well that they have asked to oversee clinical trials to use this as a therapy for children with autism. Well, that, and we had plans to be able to do randomized trials uh, with college students, but COVID shut everything down. So we don't have access to the students. Um, but the, uh, I just actually from one of the networking groups that I'm involved with, uh, spoke with a man who had a massive brain aneurysm. And with that, uh, he has a stroke and he actually um, has a whole program of, of media developed and designed nothing but to involve um, others, stroke people that have had strokes and to, to be able to tell their stories. And I gave him um, 20 different meditation pieces that I have been listening to that have been treated with our software. And this gentleman actually has a, a speech impediment as compared to the way he used to be able to talk. But when I gave that to him and he downloaded all the songs, he started listening to it. And within two hours, he sent me an email with all caps and exclamation points saying like, this is incredible. I can feel the difference immediately that I have a lot better and straighter way of thinking. Right. So we're getting into the neuroacoustic science behind why it heals. Yeah, and and what I'm I I don't like to to use the word healing. Um, I like to use the word optimizing your potential, because in in. In healing, we think that something is wrong with somebody. Well, there's nothing wrong except that you don't know what to be able to um, or how to optimize your entire uh, neurological uh, abilities and capabilities. And, and even through the, uh, the subconscious um, interactions, but uh, the, the recent clinical trials that we have from Johns Hopkins, the Mayo Clinic, Harvard, Oxford, and MIT is showing that there are specific frequencies conducive to raise your cognitive function. And with that understanding, then we can get into the understanding of neurology. And that is such a hot word and hot topic all over the world right now, because people are understanding because of COVID, that they have to be able to focus on what's really important. And self-awareness is growing tremendously now then because people don't have to drive their car. They don't have to park their car. I mean, they have more time to be able to focus on themselves and how can I make myself better? True, just, just focusing on what could I listen to for 30 minutes a day that would improve my <laughs> cognitive ability. I mean, so many were so busy before they had no time to even think about that. Right. And um, I mean, no, I actually did experimentation on myself, really not trying to be a guinea pig, but it just sort of happened that it did. And um, using Mensa actually as a marker to test my IQ, 
um, I did that and raised my own uh, IQ rating within um, a few years of listening to uh, adjusted digital audio that, that I had done just by changing concert A from 440 to 430. To 432. So what did you listen to, Alan? Did you just choose music that you uh, resonated with and upgraded it to 432? Well, you have to understand going back into child development uh, and, and I used to sing opera professionally, so I, I'm very much trained. And while I was on stage, they were enduring big ensembles and a lot of action. I would have to find one instrument within the orchestra as it was rapidly playing and find out where a pitch was coming from on very difficult music. So you, you've got to be able to listen very, very carefully. And I found out that um, while I was listening to classical music, which I loved dearly, I was not enjoying it. I was analyzing it. How many first violins on there? What tempo is this conductor taking? I mean, how does it sound acoustically within the, these, these parameters of this building? And I would do that so much that it was not enjoyable to me. So I started listening to ambient music, meditation music. And number one, it has no words. And it's very difficult to even uh, replicate or, or hum or, or play back any of that music because it does not have any historical response. And when I say a historical response, when, when somebody says the words, I wanna hold your hand, well, I have history with that phrase coming from the early 60s of Ed Sullivan show having the Beatles on there singing, I wanna hold your hand. So that's, and we all do have such programming from the early child programming years of the age one to six. And an example on that is because when you're like three or four years old, you're taken to your first birthday party. And when you're there, you see kids that you really, I mean, most of the time you, you don't know them, but you, they're laughing and they're giggling and there's presents and they're wearing hats and there's balloons and there's cake and presents. And then they sing this song. And the song is happy birthday to you which is in a major modality, one, three, five, three, one, which in Western music um, is, is very prominent. So whenever you hear that, you're always going to, and, and the child who's three or four years old will equate major modality with happy times from then on. And so, I mean, it, for any kind of uh, television commercial you see, it may start off with a minor modality and then, but it'll end in a positive note because they want you to buy that product. The same thing goes with a minor modality, which is one. Okay, so major is one, three, five, three, one. And minor would be one, three, five, three, one, which is the boogeyman music. You hear that going on and, and then all of a sudden, you know something bad is going to happen like within a movie, you know, the. You know, somebody's going to, you know, Dracula's going to come up and bite your neck or, or you're, you know, somebody's going to hit you with a car. And that is, um, that, that's the way that, that children are programmed to think from then on that whenever they hear that modality of music, they're either going to think something happy is happening or something bad is going to happen. Um, so... If anybody in the, the listening audience actually will go to Eastern culture of composition of music, especially India, you've got so many more notes than what we have on, on our major or, or minor scales that there are so many other notes that actually help them within the playback or the performance of music that awaken uh, no, and you know your your subconscious and and your central nervous system, and it's no wonder that they were the ones in in that area that facilitated meditation so much easier, quicker, and for so many 
many more years than what we have over here in the Western world. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what you're getting at is how we need to realize just how programmed we are from early childhood and how just a sound brings us back to a state immediately. And so to choose, you know, or just to be aware, it's like if someone thinks about happy birthday, flashbacks come to all of us of times when we were young. And so just to be aware that that music is affecting us emotionally. So no, you, I didn't. yeah, and you were going to say that you chose music that was different so that you weren't affected by that. Correct. Yeah. And, and the ambient meditation music, 99% of the time doesn't even have any sung words to it. And so anytime you hear one word, it, it could have a historical meaning to you, but ambient music does not. And it just usually flows. There's one um, composer that I just absolutely love named uh, Liquid Mind, uh, the, which is the pen name that Chuck Wilde records under. Uh, if anybody wants to listen to that, I mean, it's such a smoothing application of layer upon layer upon layer of notes that just go in and out uh, so very slowly that it's so very soothing and will take away from your uh, subconscious uh, programming so that you can actually facilitate choosing what it is you want to think about as compared to having it programmed telling you what to think about. Exactly. So important. And it's called yes. Liquid Mind? Liquid Mind. Yeah. Chuck Wild. I mean, he, he has about, oh gosh, 16, 18 CDs out right now. It is such beautiful music. That's probably uh, one of the first um, composers that I listened to within the the meditation uh, market, uh, but there's so many other people out there right now. Like I said, I just got an appointment with uh, uh, Grammy Hall of Famer, uh, Barry Goldstein, and uh, he and I are, are gonna be talking and, and working together. Uh, I believe we're gonna meet somewhere this coming Thursday morning. So I'm really looking forward to that. I, I do have one other Grammy Hall of Famer that <laughs> that used to be part of Cool and the Gang back in the, the 70s that actually ran his latest digital master through it. And he was blown away by the, the energetic difference between his original and what the Cymatrax uh, treated rendering made as an output. So um, his last words were that the technology should be the Simatrax technology should be in every recording studio in the world. But uh, I'm just so happy that, you know, I'm going to be able to do that, like with your podcast. And uh, we've got over 50 podcasters using our technology right now so that the listening audience is actually going to tune in uh, with less noise pollution of the white noise taken away from their ability to uh, retain the information being taught. Yeah, interesting. Well, musicians would be in tune with what you're doing because they would be so aware of the, the difference, the minor differences. They would feel it, you know, touch it, and they'd know. Yeah, there is actually one um, other person that uh, I was going to talk to you about, and her name is um, Amy Cammy, C-A-M-I-E. Now, Amy and I met, and she is a harpist who does a lot of her production uh, and composition based upon understanding of specific frequencies. And but she is the, the cool thing about her is that she has studied neurology herself and understands these exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, last week I sent or she sent me two of her recordings and one was as slight as only three minutes and 40 seconds. And I'm a little bit apprehensive about running our technology through that and giving it to somebody because uh, so many times people will try to do a side-by-side -side comparison, listen to 10 seconds of one, 10 seconds to the other, but you're just going to 
well, most people will just be confused in the brain. Now, Amy, because she is so in tune and studying the neurological aspect of specific frequencies, heard the difference and actually not heard, she felt the difference within 30 seconds of that three minute audio recording of her own heart music. She could feel it and, and it just blew me away. So uh, there's somebody else that you need to be taking a look at uh, because she is certified from the uh, music therapy, uh, uh, whatever the certif certifying board of that company is. And uh, yeah. uh, the great thing about talking with them, and when I explain to them what my technology is, as soon as we get clinical trials done then, and showing the positive nature of specific frequency enhancement to optimize the brain's potential, then they will start using what we have done as part of the curriculum to, to continue to train music therapists to be able to understand how most people are receptive uh, to specific frequencies, more so than just being um, performed to relax them. Right. And it's not just in the brain. We have neurotransmitters that connect through every part of our body, our heart, our gut, our, you know, you can feel it throughout the whole body. Right. Right. And, and uh, I mean, the Heart Math Institute, uh, I give them kudos all the time and try to talk to people so that they will become aware of the energy that they have defined and been focused on coming from the heart and how that communicates with the brain uh, about 50 times faster than what the brain will communicate with the heart. So, no, I've actually talked with Roland McCready, uh, who is their uh, chief uh, research um, a person there, I, I believe he might even be one of the founders of, of, of the HeartMath Institute. But uh, no, I've actually done work on um, their digital audio as well. So that when somebody listens to it, or actually watches a, um, an animated video explaining what the energy fields are that are up on YouTube or even on their own website, that they'll have a better ability to be able to understand it without uh, questioning um, or, or being disrupted by the white noise within the audio. Yeah, beautiful. I love the, you know, the heart and even the, like you said, that it responds faster. I believe the subconscious mind does as well, faster yep. than the conscious mind. So to become aware of what's happening in the subconscious, but also to react from the heart. Is. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I, and that is just one, one aspect of, of, of education that um, technology is availing to us right now. So if anybody wants to, you know, get to be better, I mean, whether you are physically fit and eat organic, or, you know, maybe you're saying, oh, I don't need that fourth beer tonight. You know, whatever it takes for you to become better, because, you know, well, number one, you have to have a, a willingness to be able to make that change in yourself and uh, and have that desire to be able to do that. I mean, I, I actually did my New Year's resolution. And uh, as of January the 4th, uh, I started my weight loss program and, and have dropped 17 pounds since that time. So within three weeks, um, a little bit more than three weeks, I've made the choice to be dedicate myself. And that's what so many people need to do of understanding about what they subject them to uh, themselves to by way of sound. Um, I mean, something as small as uh, when, when a college student runs off to, uh, to go to school, yeah, during especially during the COVID time, and they're in a dormitory setting and the end table right next to their bed is that little mini refrigerator that has the compressor and fan that is constantly going. Well, the sound and the recording of those frequencies are so disruptive to the central nervous system that it is extremely difficult to optimize training and retention of any type of studies that you're doing. I mean, if that thing wasn't in there and you didn't have the 
extra noise blowing in into your subconscious, it would be much easier to, to, to raise your GPA. Right. Well, white noise, that's interesting because I like we even get addicted to having that white noise when we go to sleep because it, it relaxes you or zones you out, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah. It, yeah. And, and I, on, on the Simon tracks webpage, uh, which is www.cymatrax.com. There is a tab there that says um, about the science. And one of those is, um, and, and, and on that tab are three different uh, links to neurological studies as one is from the 2015 clinical trial report from the National Institute of Health showing the detriment of your cognitive ability when you subject yourself to white noise. Though no, they did clinical trials showing that when you subject yourself to white noise, you lessen your heart rate, you lessen your, your uh respiratory, you lessen your glands in your body from producing essential chemicals, it slows everything down. <laughs> and you can't help it. I mean, see, the brain is it's like, well, let's just say, compare it to a computer first. And we can say that when you're running three or four different programs at one time, or you've got three or four different things on a mind, I mean, number one, you're probably a woman because most men are single-minded in their thinking, but that's a small joke. We'll go on from there to, to say that um, the brain is doing fine with those programs running until you upload huge amounts of data, which is exactly what white noise is, and especially with understanding the digital age of digital audio. We're talking, and, and the brain does not recognize white noise as what we call it as white noise. It's so much more capable and competent. It will analyze every each and every individual frequency within the white noise, which is millions of frequencies. And so just like a computer, whenever you upload huge amounts of data, everything slows down. Well, once again, there is white noise in all digital audio. And what we have learned to do is to be able to take the, the digital audio that's being produced right now and optimize it to raise the conscious uh, and the subconscious behavior and thought processes of the listener. Right, so important. And just to be aware of that and use that technology so that we can cognitively and physically become better, I think it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about people that, that, you know, go on vacation and they, you know, let's say they live in New York City and they go out to the country and they come back three days later, they're new people. Well, it's because they ha don't have all that noise there and that noise causes the stress. It doesn't just randomly do that. You have to just understand and accept it. Yeah. Well, yes. And it's being without that noise and being connected to nature and mother earth. Where, where does she resonate? Well, you know, uh, I, 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 that's really not my field, but I accept it, you know, going back to um, my, of how I was influenced by Nikola Tesla. I mean, my father was an inventor who was um, an electrochemical engineer, and he read uh, so many different uh, documentations and writings of Tesla that my father used that technology and uh, so well that our federal government shut him down three times because he was undercutting Big Pharma, uh, Dow Chemical, and then uh, the oil and gas industry, anywhere from 82% to 92%. But uh, yeah, yeah, in Tesla, <laughs> yeah. but we're not going. We're not going to get into that. But but Tesla's understanding the way that he projected this and his most famous quote is, if you want to understand the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And when you're talking then about the entire 
not just the galaxy, but the solar system and the universe, everything is energy. And it is moved into form, let's say compressed energy then forms matter, and then sound is going to move it into form, which we already see through cymatics, and then gravity is going to hold it there in place. So as we have all of these energy fields running through the entire uh, uh, universe, which in including you know, the, the pull of gravity from black holes, um, a lot of the things that we take for granted can be seen in a way that can optimize our health. And so when you're talking about Mother Earth and the vibration from the core and the fields, the Earth actually does uh, have an input output from the poles um, in like a, a torus field. And I'm saying torus, I'm saying uh, T-O-R-U-S um, that ex extends and runs through the core of the gravitation of, of the core of the planet. And most other planets do as well. I mean, unless you have like a dead asteroid, they're going to be spinning. They do have some type of energy vibration that is holding all of their atmosphere together. Um, and then like in, in our solar system, uh, have a, a specific pattern being pulled and going away from our sun. Yeah, so it's all interconnected. And just to be aware that what we listen to can put us into a state of discord with that or put us into a state of resonance. Yeah, and, and as I was saying, the um, with people then understanding how to replicate uh, digital or audio, let's say, uh, through digital manipulation and using computer-based generation generated uh, frequencies, we can optimize it. And uh, it's being done right now. We, we've got uh, quite a few other people uh, working with us so that we can get this out and, and, and use it in, in such a better way but we just all, number one, need to become aware of what we are subjecting ourselves to. Yeah, exactly. And to make changes so that we are more in resonance, really. That's, yeah. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I remember a few years ago, there's a very fine steakhouse here in Dallas that I went to uh, without naming them. Uh, the service was great. The, the quality of the food was absolutely wonderful. But it was so loud from all the people yelling and the excitement and uh, the acoustics. I was sitting two tables away from uh, a, a piano player who was playing and singing. And it was so loud in there that I could not even hear the piano playing. I had to yell at my waiter to have him understand what it was I wanted to order. Uh, my date, I had to yell at her sitting right next to me just so she could understand what we were talking about. And this is a trend um, in a lot of restaurants to be able to raise the excitement and then train the service staff to tell you what to order and then to come by and check on you so many times so that you will actually subconsciously feel rushed and that you will then complete your meal. The check is dropped immediately and so that you will pay the bill and leave. And with, all, and with all that energy going on and all that yelling, once you step outside and you're outside of all that vibration, you feel so much better. Right. I mean, you, you put your, your hands on your stomach and you have a full belly and you had really good food. And you'll think, wow, that was really great. I'm going to come back. Well, what's really great is that now that you're outside and you can actually think for yourself. Yeah. So I find that when I go to the city for a few hours, um, when I come back to my house, which is in the country, 
I feel a deep feeling of gratitude and less anxiety. Like it, it just, just being in the quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I have several friends that uh, live about 20 miles outside of Dallas on, uh, oh, anywhere from 10 to 20 acres of land. And they said they won't have it any other way that because once they get out there, then everything is quiet and they're able to make these uh, very well-adjusted decisions without any type of, well, not without any type, but with less interference of uh, their decision-making process. Yeah. And you can feel it in every cell. It's, it's like a change from disruption to tranquility or peace. And it's so remarkable that every time I notice it. So yeah. it's, and, yeah. Yeah. So whether you're going out to the country or you're even just walking on the beach, uh, you hear the nat natural sounds of the, the, let's say the waves coming in onto the beach from the water. Um, and that is, we, we try to replicate that in digital audio when you actually will record it. But the, the frequencies that come in with, with water um, in a natural state uh, are still a little bit different than what we can replicate in by way of uh, a digital recording of that. Now we can use high definition and get a lot more of these specific frequencies, but when water is so fluid, <laughs> really, uh, water is so fluid in its production of sound that it, it gently carries you away. And that's the reason why so many people get relaxed while walking on the beach uh, at, at a sunset or at a sunrise. Yeah. And, and so just to be aware of that, and I think that's what we're getting at. Many people can't be in, on the beach or in nature all the time, but to be aware that what you're listening to and that the sound that you're exposing yourself to is so important. Yeah, and the word that I like to use in that is is what sound you subject yourself to. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, it's it's like the car that I drive. Uh, I checked it out before I bought it, and the entire series of understanding that there are cars that um, are listed as uh, quieter than others. And uh, I remember not too long ago that uh, people were getting ready to put um, an action into a federal bill to actually make some type of sound chirping on Teslas or any other type of electric car because people that had, um, that were blind could not hear the car coming up, up on them. And so there were so many near misses or people getting hit uh, on the streets of busy cities because they couldn't hear the car coming up. Well, the, I just threw up my hands as a big red flag saying like, how can you throw this type of noise out to people that aren't blind? You're gonna subject them to even more um, despondency of, of the environment you're putting, it, it would be sort of like, okay, I'm going to operate a jackhammer for 20 years, you know, uh, and, and see what, what my mental capability is going to be. Well, there's not too many neurologists that also go out on the street and operate jackhammers, you know, because it, it, I'm sorry to say that it's pretty yeah. aloof, but uh, well, uh, yeah, it's just being aware of that disruptive, oh, right. disruptive, right? Yeah, there, there's actually reports showing that uh, that was one that I followed from India uh, that showed 60 different truck drivers had uh, illnesses that were based upon uh, the, the continual sound and the vibration um, of their truck engines 
while driving it for so many times. And it, it gathered up to show that 85% of people that were full-time truck drivers were having, um, well, the, the same type of illness because of the lack of uh, taking away from these, these harmful vibrations and, and sounds that would uh, cause them to stress up. Well, because just like the sand, every cell in our body is responding to sound. Yep, yeah, and, and that's part of uh, the, the studies that, that we've been doing over the past, oh gosh, since 2009, so that's 12 years now, um, understanding from epigenetics that every cell in the body has receptors and those receptors are influenced by four environmental influences and that's chemicals, heat, light, and sound. Yeah. Wow, so if someone is interested in really changing the sound that they're listening to, how do they use Cymatrax to do that? Well, our brand new website is um, actually, by the time that this program airs, will be up and running. And uh, we do have uh, a tool there that anybody who has any type of digital audio, whether it is uh, Mozart, a podcast, books on audio, um, for some reason, it will not work with the music of Justin Bieber. For some reason, that's just an anomaly that, I'm sorry, I'm making another joke at the, be oh, at, at the Beeb's so expense, and we shouldn't do that. I'm, you know, there's, I'm, there's millions of Justin Bieber fans out there, and I'm just going, good for you. That is your choice, and, and I'm happy that you're happy. <laughs> Uh, but no, the, the, the Cymatrax website, uh, once again, C-Y-M-A-T-R-A-X, and that's Cymatrax.com, uh, does have a tool right there so that anybody who wants to can go and use it and upload any type of digital audio they want, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, like I said, Mozart, the Rolling Stones, uh, or, or a book on audio, even, you know, we're, we're like podcasters, corporate training, online education. Uh, the, the Tracks technology is getting ready to uh, go out to the public uh, because of uh, the partnership we have um, uh, worked with uh, and we're getting ready to make a press release. And by the time this recording gets out, it, the press release will come out with a company down in Austin, Texas named Alcon DTS. And um, we are getting ready to make um, some really big waves in being very disruptive with our technology because no one else actually um, has thought about doing what we have done and it's, it's actually going to be a tool that's going to change the world. And so just so very happy and energized to get out of bed every single morning and start showing people how they can have better and healthier lives just by changing and filtering what they're already listening to. You know, there's all over 5 billion cell phone users in the world. Yeah. So that's how, many, that's how many people are listening to digital audio. Uh, yeah. A couple of months ago, I, I spoke with a general at the American Freedom Series presentation of new technology for the DOD and for the four major armed forces here in, in the States. And the general was wanting to take our algorithm and then put that into a silicon chip and then put that into an RF radio so that when the boots on the ground going into some type of, of battle or exercise, let's just put it that way, uh, will actually retain the information faster, quicker, easier, and longer. So this technology will get out there to people, but people really should find a way to be able to have healthier lives. Just like when you're eating organic fruits and vegetables as compared to uh, the regular stuff that we don't know what the GMOs have been done or what kind of fertilizers and insect repellents have been put onto those. Yeah. Yeah. And we were so aware or most are aware of 
the food that they eat, but to become aware of the sound that you're listening to is equally important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really incredible. And I just love what you're doing, Alan. And it's such a wonderful technology and such a beautiful thing that you're bringing to the planet. Well, Jane, I greatly appreciate you and what you're doing and where you come from and the way that you are reaching out and touching so many different people with the information you put out there. Uh, Kudos to you, bravo to you. And I just hope that uh, so many more people continue to listen to the the information you're getting out there to to others and uh, learn how to apply it so that they and their friends and family are going to have healthier lives as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think if people were just, well, we're, we're trying to empower and when you're attuned to the right frequencies, your heart is going to resonate with what's right. And that's, that's what we need to move into listening Correct. to our hearts and acting from that place. Yep. So it's wonderful. Thank you, Alan. And for everyone out there, don't forget, Don't give away your power to anyone else. Just spiral up, spiral out.